Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Gil Gross and Brad Klein here getting into Syracuse basketball. Their non-conference openers against Bryant and Niagara. And then the uh, the closer for football coming up a little bit later on. It's a 2.30 kick, Syracuse, Notre Dame. The Irish, if you haven't heard, one of the best teams in the country in line for a college football playoff berth. And they've already clinched a spot in the ACC title game. But let's start with basketball, Brad, and Syracuse had a much better time distinguishing Niagara than they did Bryant. One-point win against Bryant, as you've, I'm sure, um, already heard by now. Uh, but nice and comfortable, 75-45 against Niagara. Yeah, you know, Syracuse looked like a, a complete team against Niagara, which is pretty incredible because they were missing Barama Sidibe because of the meniscus. And then you factor in Buddy Beheim, a late scratch because of contact tracing. And you throw Kadari Richmond in there at the top of the zone. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, 3 blocks. And he was just fantastic. Playing alongside Joe Girard. And to me, it, it added an extra spark. It added probably a needed spark. And Kadari Richmond looks like he's going to have a big role in this team going forward. Absolutely. I'm not going to draw conclusions. I'm going to try to kind of reserve my judgment because Niagara is not a good team. And by the way, the Purple Eagles hadn't really practiced much in, you know, the entire month of December. So you have to kind of take that um, or excuse me, not not December, November. Uh, so you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Um with that being said, you didn't really miss Buddy Beheim no. if you were watching that game uh, with the way Kadari Richmond was playing. And Joe Girard had another poor performance, and he really doesn't look good right now. But between Garrier um, and Alan Griffin, who also kind of struggled shooting, really, really Garrier and Richmond were enough to get Syracuse over the finish line and handedly. Yeah, it, they, they really were, and Garrier was fantastic. We can talk about him, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to him later, but at the same time, Gil, Kadari Richmond's the story because a lot of people right now, a lot of Fizz Nation is, is calling for Kadari Richmond to take over the starting job for Joe Girard when Buddy Beheim gets back and just start Buddy alongside Kadari and then figure out the wings later, probably Griffin, Garrier, and, well, no, you have to start Dolajai in there. So probably mm -hmm. Garrier, Dolajai, and Sadibe when everyone's healthy. But I wrote a piece on, on Orange Fizz, check it out, orangefizz.net, asking, does it really matter if Kadari starts at the one, if Joe Girard starts in the one? Spoiler alert, it does. But at the same time, it's an impossible question to answer. I think we'll get the answer pretty soon within this two-week period when Buddy Beheim is on the bench because of the contact tracing quarantine, I think we're going to figure out, is this guy a starting caliber guard in the ACC? And the other thing that we have to really remember going forward in this period is, okay, he's going to be starting alongside Joe Girard, 
Maybe we get some glimpses of him at the one, but there's a big difference between him running the offense and playing with Gerard running the offense at the top of the zone. So I think we have to remember that. The turnovers could be a little concerning. I think he had three against Niagara. Just keep an eye on it. I think he needs to have a big role. I don't know if you can start him yet. It's going to happen, Brad. I, I think I'm very confident in saying that eventually Kadari Richmond is going to start unless his cardio never That's improves. Thing, yeah. and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But I also want to say, uh, let us know what you think. At Orange Fizz is the Twitter handle. Should, you know, have you seen enough? Is it time to start Kadari Richmond over Joe Girard when Buddy Beheim returns? And by the way, the next game that, that Syracuse plays is against uh, Ryder today. Uh, let us know, you know, Buddy's not going to go in that one. But after that, it's the Rutgers game. I'm not sure if Buddy will be, will be ready for that one when it comes to uh, a contact tracing or not. But basically, once Buddy returns, yeah, there's going to be a logjam in this starting lineup. I'm quite sure that Jim Beheim will relegate Richmond back to the bench. I just think by the time the season ends, Richmond is the starter over Gerard, no doubt. It's fair. I, I, just I think, get it. I get right? it. He'll just he'll give the freshmen some time. At the same time, time it's like Joe, Joe Gerard. when I think of him, I don't think of a sophomore. I immediately think upperclassman pedigree. He showed the leadership last year, and, and that's one of the things that we were actually very impressed with last year. He stepped in, and he really mm -hmm. didn't act like a freshman, okay? I'm not saying Kadari Richmond Absolutely. is necessarily as raw as a freshman typically is. He's not, but at the same time, when you get into the dog days of an ACC schedule, it might be nice to have a poised point guard in Joe Girard and, 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 and an established shooting guard in Buddy Beheim. you know? And, and that's one of the things that Syracuse going into the season would probably call their strengths is veteranship, experience, Dolajai on the wing, Sidibe in the middle, Gary A, sure, he didn't start last year, but man, he's looking good. And then you have the top of the zone as experienced guys. Are you really going to compromise that and risk what could be your best asset in a six foot five guard as one of, if not the best spark plug in the ACC? You can't. You can't do it. And and you just said six foot five. By the way, uh, you and I both agree. When you're watching him out there, he looks so long. He looks six six to me. Joe Girard won't have that. No. He'll never have that. He won't get in passing lanes like Kadari Richmond can. He won't close out on jump shooters like Kadari Richmond can. I just think right now we have a situation very similar to uh, I guess it was would it be four years ago now or three years ago when. Frank Howard started the year at point guard in front of John Gillen. It was very clear who the better player was but from the beginning of the year. It was, okay, John Gillen has, brings more to the table, especially offensively, than Frank Howard. But who started the year at point guard there? It was Frank because Frank was the returning player. You know, Frank was the player who, who Jim Beheim knew what he was getting, and, you know, Gillen was kind of being molded on the bench until he was ready to start. I think we're going to see the same thing with Kadari and Joe. I think Joe will end up on the bench eventually behind Kadari Richmond, but it's going to take time. Fair? Fair. Yeah, I get it. And and there are so there are two schools of thought with it. I agree with you that there's a very legitimate chance that Bayheim at the end of the year has no choice but to start Kadari Richmond because I think he has a chance to be that good. I mean, 
based on what I've seen so far, the shooting will come, the length, the athleticism, and like I alluded to before, he really doesn't feel like most freshmen, just in terms of his poise. And I understand it's only been against Bryant and Niagara. And I guess another small mini test comes today against Ryder. But at the same time, you have to like what you see from Jim Be- for Jim Beheim, excuse me. Let me offer a little disclaimer, though, because I do think that this is worth throwing out there. I was watching Kadari in warm-ups last night because I was in the Dome taking corner threes. He wasn't hitting them. And it's warm-ups. One thing that I think is abundantly clear, if you ever go to see a, a basketball game live and you watch warm-ups, you start to realize, wow, these good jump shooters, they don't just miss. They miss because of defense. In warm-ups, they're just they're supposed to be knocking them down. They're wide open. They have all day. Watch Buddy Beheim shoot in warm-ups. He doesn't miss much. Kadari Richmond just, uh, I got to say, he was shooting like 30, 30% wide open in warm-ups from the corner. So my reaction was, oh, so he doesn't have a three at all. Sure enough, he shot two threes in the game. I was surprised that he even pulled up twice. He missed both of them. I don't think he has that, so I'm not sure. If you're not hitting it in warm-ups, why are you taking him in games? But just be careful because I think you're clawing us into this rabbit hole for both sides because Kadari Richmond, Jim Beheim just said last night, or rather two nights ago in the the post-game press conference, hey, Kadari Richmond's hitting his threes in practice, and he's hitting like half of them, even more. And sure, it's practice, but I know he can hit them, and then – you have the layover, you have the defense mixed in there, and I think he's basically getting at, hey, Kadari Richmond's a better shooter than we all see and that we all think, and he's only not displaying that because of the limited practice last week, the COVID-19 stuff with him, and I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Because Joe Girard is struggling, okay? Two for 14 in the first game, three for 11 in the second and after the first game, too, Jim Beheim said, hey, this is the worst I've ever seen Joe Girard play. I don't think Joe Girard th- forgot how to play basketball. In fact, I know he didn't, okay? He's a relatively streaky player. He kind of disappeared at times for brief periods last year. But at the same time, maybe he is struggling because of the COVID stuff, because of the layover, because of the abbreviated practices. Whatever it is, I think... Only until the team is completely healthy and only until after the game Jim Beheim can't blame COVID for anything will we actually have a good gauge as to who should start at the one, who is actually what. Is Kadari Richmond actually this good? Is Joe Girard actually this bad? And by the way, is Quincy Garrier actually this good? These are all questions <laughs> that will be asked and will be answered if a full week of practice, if a full two weeks of practice is had for Syracuse. Sure. I mean, in, in some cases, like for Gary A, it's can you do this against non-Niagara? Yes. Uh, but in the case of the shooting and the lack of practice, I hear you. And, you know, Syracuse didn't make a single three-pointer in the second half. They were 5 for 11 at the end of the first half. And you were thinking, okay, you know, three balls falling. Things are going pretty well offensively. And in the second half, they, they went over and finished 5 for 23 from deep. And Jim Beheim is saying that players don't have their timing and they can't shoot because apparently they missed another three days of practice. 
after the team had a positive test. Let's go to football in a moment, but first, like, do you have any... Right now, there's a bit of a soap opera going on between the county and, and Ryan McMahon and the way COVID is being handled. I don't know how much we can get into this or, or what we can add here, um, but like, what do you think of the way Jim Beheim has kind of responded and almost lobbied you know, to try to play as much basketball as possible. You know, Jim Beheim is a Hall of Famer, okay? And Jim Beheim, the Beheims are the royal family of Syracuse. And moreover, Syracuse basketball is the professional team in Syracuse. It's not Syracuse football, okay? Beheim is completely aware of this. And I think in these press conferences, <laughs> in, in him lobbying with the county, it's pretty clear he knows where he stands, okay? He has a lot of influence on a lot of different issues that, quite frankly, he shouldn't. One of them is politics, but well, that's another uh, thing to get into. He has a lot of influence. He's a powerful man, okay? So when, when he talks, people listen. And Ryan McMahon is included there. Ryan McMahon does not want to anger Central New York, and all of Central New York is listening to Jim Beheim. So when Jim Beheim calls for Ryan McMahon to let Syracuse basketball play, and they don't play, guess who the fingers are pointed at? It's Ryan McMahon. So Beheim is kind mm-hmm. of boxing McMahon into this corner that he actually has to let Syracuse basketball play. It's genius. I hope it's not actually dangerous because I hope Jim Beheim is not saying, hey, we should play, we have to play when you shouldn't play. But at the same time, good for Jim Beheim. After 45 years, he knows exactly which buttons to push. You said that well. I think that's exactly what's happening right now. When when Beheim is on his Zoom press conference, he realizes, okay, this is a moment to to get on the post standard. You know, to, or Orange Fizz. To get on Watch all the it. local news. Orange Fizz, too. Or yeah. OrangeFizz.net. I know, I'm just saying, you know, in terms of the news outlets, you know, beyond the, the basketball bubble, right? And I definitely think he's trying to, to, to sway public opinion. He realizes that that's his, uh, his opportunity. So I, I agree with you. You know, I just hope that uh, I think he has some good points. I think he has some really bad points. I think, you know, it goes on both sides in terms of the, the things that, that he's been saying. But we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully everyone um, on the team is A-OK besides the, the two players who tested positive buddy uh, in contact tracing, according to uh, Syracuse.com's reporting, and we'll keep an eye on that. Let's get into football on the other side of the break. Syracuse-Notre Dame, 2.30 kickoff later today. You're listening to Orange Fizz on the score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260, Gil Gross and Brad Klein here. Just got into basketball and Kadari Richmond's tremendous debut. They're back in action tonight against Ryder. That's a 7 p.m. tip. But first, we have more football for the last time of the year, Brad, Syracuse, Notre Dame. You can uh, check out our predictions on orangefizz.net. I have a feeling all of us went with the Irish. No. Yeah, we did. And, and right now, I have a perfect record, so I'm not about to risk it on some Bush League prediction that Syracuse Let's... in the regular season finale is going to beat Notre Dame. That's not happening. Brad, I'm sure you've gotten that into every Fizz Radio you've done. It's a big deal, per- Gil. But let's... All right, chill. Well, can we walk through it? 
Can, can we can we address it? Can we walk through it? What is your secret to success this season? Why have you been so on the money? The only, okay, I'll okay. give you the floor. I don't want to do this, but here you go. The, the only secret or sorcery that I have to offer is pick the win. Okay, I knew they were going to win one game. That was it. One. Because they're terrible, right? So, okay, I picked the Georgia Tech win. That was kind of lucky, kind of smart, cool. Uh, from there, just don't even think about it. Don't even look. It's a loss. That's it. That's it. That was the secret. That was the magic sauce. Yeah. It was It was either going to be Georgia Tech or Louisville. Boy, am I happy it wasn't Louisville. Right. Um, I picked Georgia Tech in that one. I, I got another one wrong early that I'm, I'm not forgetting. I don't know. I think you got I don't Pittsburgh know what... wrong, which was, like, pathetic. You got something wrong. I was no, like, Yo, really? That's not true. No. You, you got I picked one PC. wrong. I was I like, picked... you really no, thought I picked Syracuse? My one upset, uh, I think it was BC you're thinking of. Okay. Fine. Because that but I that's that was a good pick in my book. I almost made up some ground, Brad. I almost made up a made up a game on you because I just felt Boston College, my whole logic was they just played Clemson and then next week they're playing Notre Dame. Like just the scheduling spot was so good for Syracuse. And then it turned out to be a, a pretty close game, only a uh sixteen thirteen yeah win. It was a three point win. It might have been ten thirteen. I think it was sixteen thirteen. Okay. Um, anyway, let's uh, Notre Dame two thirty. What what is Syracuse like looking to do here? I mean, obviously the answer they're on NBC, they're on network television. It's the first time this season, right, that Syracuse is on a network. Uh, so I guess the goal is to not be embarrassing. Yeah, is that, basically is just try try to save face at this point, right? And it, it's funny when you start to think about recruiting in a one win season, your worst since '05. It's, it's kind of weird when you try to think about, oh, how can we salvage this year? Getting blown out on national television, not the way you want to go out, okay? Because you're going to have recruits uh, looking watching this game and saying, man, do I really want to get blown out by 40 to Notre Dame on NBC? Probably not. So that's the type of thing that you have to think about. And Dino Babers has acknowledged before, like, man, this is a blemish on my record. I, this is a one-win season. I don't want to retire with a one-win season on my record. So that's that's also a stake there. What would be considered a win for Syracuse? It really goes into embarrassment. I guess I guess to me it would be keep it close like Clemson. You don't have to keep it to a one-possession game at the end. But if you can play with them for two, two-and-a-half quarters, that's something. I would agree. And I think if they do that, you know how Syracuse and Dino Babers, as they should, they'll put it in the spin zone. They'll put the whole season in the spin zone, and they'll say, we were close for a lot against UNC. We were close for a long time against Pittsburgh. Same is true about Clemson. Same is true about Notre Dame. We were right there. Boston College as well. You know, we just, we didn't get the win. The record looks ugly. But hey, we weren't as bad as you think. Right? That, that's what they are kind of angling for here, no? Yeah. At, at that point, it's like a backdoor cover situation. Oh, oh, look at Syracuse. They're not that bad. And I will say this. Against NC State last week, NC State's a good football team. They're certainly not mm -hmm. Notre Dame. But the Orange were playing with the Wolfpack, playing pretty well. I would just caution Syracuse fans that for whatever reason might be slightly optimistic here. 
don't be because there were a lot of bounces that went Syracuse's way against NC State that I promise you won't against Notre Dame. Trevor Pena is not going to return a kickoff for a touchdown. If Ian Book wants to run the ball into the end zone, he's not going to fumble it at the half-yard line and re- results in a <laughs> touchback. And I also promise you that Ian Book will not throw the ball to the back of the end zone on an, on an intentional grounding call for a safety. All these things that happened, they won't against Notre Dame. I will say that you have to be good to be lucky. Syracuse was good enough, didn't turn the ball over, penalties weren't an issue, they played a clean game, and eventually the cards fell into their favor. That's not going to happen against Notre Dame. It's just not. It can't. No. I agree. I'm, and I said the same thing in my prediction. I said, do not have hope. Do not have optimism. You know, a lot of people might point to the fact that Notre Dame has quote unquote nothing to play for, right? Because the ACC shifted around the schedule. They are going to be in the title game, assuming Clemson beats Virginia Tech. It'll be Notre Dame against Clemson for the ACC title. Now, the Irish might be in a position if, you know, assuming they beat Syracuse, where they can actually lose that game and still end up in the college football playoff. So my thing, I have I have two angles to this. One, don't let anyone tell you that this game doesn't matter for Notre Dame. They still have to win this game to put themselves in a position where anything can happen against Clemson and they'll still end up in the playoffs. That's the first thing. The second thing is they're, they're second stringers. They're third stringers. This is an audition against Syracuse. They're still angling for more snaps next year and the season after that. When Notre Dame puts their young guys in, they're four stars that aren't starting. Why? Because it's Notre Dame, and that's why their four stars aren't starting. When those guys come in, this is their audition. Don't think you're going to get a sleeping team uh, in Notre Dame just because the game doesn't count. That's not what's going to happen here. You're going to have hungry players out there. They might not be the first stringers. You might not get Kyle Hamilton and Jeremiah Owusu uh, Karamoa, uh, but you're going to get guys who are really, really good. I don't see any way that Syracuse takes advantage of some kind of uninspired Notre Dame team here. That's scarier, in my opinion. I'd rather, if I'm Syracuse, I'd rather just go up against the five stars than the four stars at that point. Because if you get <laughs> if you get blown out, it's like, okay, they're the number two team in the country, whatever. But at this point, it, the stakes are higher. It's like, would you rather play me in ping pong with one hand tied behind my back or two? No, you'd rather play me at full strength because if I beat you, it's embarrassing at this point. It's embarrassing. And Syracuse has been embarrassed before, okay? This entire season has been very embarrassing, and Dino Babers knows it too. He's acknowledged it in the press conferences. Mm -hmm. Can you save face? Can you keep it close? That's really the variable here. Go out with some dignity. Yeah. Now, Notre Dame, if you look at them, obviously they're better than Syracuse at every position, but if you just look at their strengths and what they do well, it's also such a bad matchup. You know, I mean, if you're going to pinpoint a couple things, um, edge rushing, they have two NFL caliber edge rushers. That's terrible for Syracuse. On the offensive side, a power run game. You know, what, one of the best run game in the ACC, perhaps, Kyron Williams, the, the running back, unheralded coming into the season, but he's been tremendous. And what's happened in these Notre Dame games 
is uh, they've dominated time of possession. And, man, it, it doesn't take Notre Dame to dominate Syracuse in time of possession. Even Boston College, a uh, pass-first offense, decided they were going to run it and dominate time of possession against Syracuse, and they did. So the thing I'm looking for, if we're going to talk tactics in this one, I'm looking for Syracuse to not have the ball much at all. Do you agree that it's kind of a, a nightmare matchup in terms of what Notre Dame does well? Yes, and, and Dino Babers earlier this week mentioned, hey, their offensive line is ridiculous, and they have these mm -hmm. big guys that block out the sun, and you have basically a freshman defense, Stephon Thompson coming around the edge, right? And you have Marlo Wax playing key quarters and key snaps for Syracuse as a freshman at the linebacker position. It, it's, it is a nightmare of a matchup. It just, just physically, I, I don't think Syracuse is ready for it. And it's cute, right? We, we go the first nine games of the season, eight, ten games. We go the first ten games of the season, and we look at the defense. We look at the 3-3-5. It's been pretty bad statistically, to be honest. But at the same time, you have those young pieces, Jeff Cantonarku playing really well. Garrett Williams, the redshirt freshman, coming out of nowhere, right? Michael Jones, no surprise. Marlo Wax playing well. Stephon Thompson, you name it. There are a lot of good pieces. That's for the future. It's not for now, okay? These are the, these good pieces you can be excited about, but they are the same team that has the worst run defense in the ACC, and it's not even mm -hmm. that close. So I'm, I'm very nervous about it, honestly, and we'll get to this later. Play as, as many older guys as you can. Make this like their senior day, senior going out performance. You don't want the young guys to get exposed, and that's something that I would be very concerned about if I'm Dino Babers because the confidence is shot already. The confidence is gone already. Do you really want to tighten the chokehold on that with a, a ridiculous loss against Notre Dame? Almost dropped my prediction. I'm going to hold on to that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up in terms of the, the older guys, and this could be their last game. And I think we, we kind of got we got some clarity, I guess, on, on who might be coming back and who might be leaving. Um, it's kind of an awkward season because everyone kind of has that option to to stay. Who sticks out to you as as players who, who we might be seeing again and, and who's definitely gone? I'd say Kingsley Jonathan is one guy. The way that he was kind of taking in you know, and, and soaking in his final game at the, you know, after the final whistle blew at the Dome last week. You know, to me, that just says he's definitely going. I mean, I think we're allowed to speculate here. Uh, I, know, I know that this isn't reporting. This isn't sources. But if you just watched him, he looked like a guy who knew he just played his last game in the Dome. But this is such an awkward situation right now. We don't know who's coming back and who's not. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't see McKinley Williams coming back. Um, I, I don't see – so that's those are two big losses at that point. It seems like Chris Elmore will likely be coming back. I mean, he's been entertaining that pretty much all year. So I would say that's pretty comfortable at that point. Agreed. There are a lot of pieces that you have to wonder about, and they would be huge – pieces for Syracuse next year if they returned on the offensive side what if Nikeem Johnson came back you know he's had a pretty good year and 
a lot of it falls into who's throwing you the football. You had essentially, yeah, three, in a way, four different quarterbacks, and Nikeem Johnson has found a way to consistently be that deep ball threat, kind of, sort of, contribute on special teams, and that's pretty much all you can mm-hmm. ask for from Johnson out of the slot. So that's a name that sticks out to me. I don't know. It is it is really speculative. I'd be shocked if Rex Culpepper oh. came back. Shocked. Oh, yeah. he. I don't think he's coming back. Well, I'll tell you this, okay? Obviously, last week's senior day was, was really different from what it usually is. Normally, you have all the players taking a lap around the field. Now, that still happened with no crowd, but it wasn't all the seniors. It was a select group. So I'm just going to tell you who was out there taking a lap around the field just with each other. It was Aaron Service, Rex Culpepper, Kingsley Jonathan, Josh Black, and Nolan Cooney. Those are the those are the group of seniors who decided to gather and take that lap around the field. Well, so Nolan that'll be Cooney interesting. Has no business staying. Okay, guys, an NFL punch. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Nolan Cooney is gonna try to test his luck with the pros. Josh Black is old. Okay, the guy yeah. is like uh, I think he's like twenty three. He's old. So you know he needs to. I'm not saying he should make any decision. I'm just saying that. You know, he might want to feel like he wants to start the next phase of uh, of his life. So it'll be interesting. I think Ify Melifonwu is, is another one to watch. He's only a junior, but will he go to the NFL or will he come back? Another big question, who will start at quarterback? Let's get into that on the other side of the break. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio, Gil Gross, Brad Klein on this Saturday morning. Thanks for spending it with us as we get set for a 2.30 kick on national television, Syracuse and Notre Dame. Brad, it's been the story kind of all season long. We've kind of talked, at least in the second half, after Tommy DeVito got injured against Duke, who should start at quarterback. Uh, It was Rex Culpepper for a while. It was Jacoby and Morgan. And uh, last week it went back to Culpepper. So I guess we're, we got to talk about it again. Who should be under center against Notre Dame? Assuming everyone's healthy. Honestly, the Jacoby and Morgan injury didn't seem too uh, serious. Well, to me, Jacoby and Morgan would make no sense. Because if you're going to start a freshman, it's to forecast what's to come, right? At that point, if it's not going to be Culpepper, it might as well be Dylan Markowitz. And I, honestly, I've been team Markowitz the entire time. I, I think he should have gotten the start over Jacoby and Morgan weeks ago, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't see practice, close practice, but based on what high school showed, it seemed like Dylan Markowitz was the choice. Either way, I and as I alluded to before the break, I still think it should be Rex Culpepper. And again, I'm Team Markowitz, always will be, always was, but you don't want a why? repeat. Why? Well, yeah. Did I say Team Markowitz or Team Culpepper? I meant Team Markowitz because you said Markowitz. Okay. No, good. no, no. You, you said Markowitz. Good. I just I want to know why. There are a lot of things to like about Dylan Markowitz. First of all, under-recruited guy, but it's not really the typical story of an under-recruited guy. He was supposed to go to Oklahoma State, and then that was freshman year, and then they changed coaching staffs, and that was pretty much over. And his high school coach played a different system that didn't really fit his style of play. As a result, guy didn't even start till senior year. And typically, the big-time quarterback recruits, especially mm. in Texas, they're committed by pretty much junior year. So 
He was behind the eight ball to start. And as soon as Syracuse offered, and as soon as he accepted, he got two calls, USC and Baylor. Okay, so to me, that kind of indicates that Syracuse might have stole a diamond in the rough in Dylan Markowitz, not to mention his school record touchdowns and yards. I think he had 45 touchdowns in his lone year as a starter at McKinney North. There's a lot to like there. And by the way, Texas high school football, and he played at a very high level too. Yeah, that's legit high school football. That's not that's not New York no. stuff. Uh, that's not Pennsylvania stuff. You know, if you put num- up numbers in Texas, uh, that's saying something. I just don't see Babers going any other way uh, other than uh, Culpepper. It has to be, to be Culpepper. Honest. I agree with you. And and as okay. I was going to say, it, it has nothing to do with Markowitz. It's just I don't want a repeat of 2018. Remember, Tommy DeVito was exposed against Notre Dame at the end of the year in 2018. That was a different circumstance because Dungy got hurt at the beginning of the game. But if you can avoid it, avoid it. And Rex Culpepper played well enough against NC State, 23 for 45. No interceptions, two touchdowns. I understand the ending was really rough, but overall he actually played a halfway decent game. Yeah, my wish would be I'm comfortable with Culpepper coming out, playing against Notre Dame's first string. I I get that. You really don't want to... In Dino Baber's words, you don't want to scar a young quarterback, which which could potentially happen. You don't want to trot Dylan Markowitz out there and he throws three picks. That that just wouldn't be a useful experience for anyone. So I understand. Let's you know you throw Culpepper out there. I get it, but I would hope that when the game was is really bagged and and you really have the Notre Dame depth players in, that's where I, I would like to see Dylan Markowitz. I guess, you know, I, I guess, no? but you, you're kind of contradicting yourself, right? Because earlier before the break, yeah, I think so. Because before the break, you said, oh, look, that bench is loaded with four stars. Those guys are no joke. So they're going to kill Syracuse too. And I kind of agreed with you and I still kind of do. So which tune are you singing here? Is Dylan Markowitz okay. supposed to play against those elite bench players? Or should we, as, as, hypothetical Syracuse coaches, should we just make sure a guy doesn't get exposed, comes in with a completely fresh slate next year? Because as we think, Culpepper is not going to be here. That means that Markowitz might be in line for the starting role. All right, th- this is nuanced. When I say that Notre Dame is is incredibly deep on defense and that they have four-star sophomores at, you know, the third-string linebacker spot, you know, I— I, I get that, but these are the guys who I think are going to be playing in the first half. You know, I don't even think, I, I think that Notre Dame goes to some of their depth players really early on and they kind of keep rotating. When I'm talking Markowitz time, I'm thinking fourth quarter, next level. You know, it's it's senior day. I'm thinking you get, you reach that second level of scholarship players number, you know, 70 through through 85 that's where I'm thinking you can play Markowitz now I think the backups will be cycled in really really early on in this game that's that's who I'm saying you have to watch out for that's who I'm saying these are the players who will be starting for Notre Dame next season and really dangerous players right now so a bit of a nuance I get what you're saying but that's kind of how I uh, slice it. At that point, though, is it really worth it? I mean, at that point, we're talking about maybe a quarter. Maybe. Eh. Maybe not. 
Well, I, I, let me ask you this. Who did you want to see in the second half against NC State? Rex Still Culpepper. Culpepper? Absolutely Rex Culpepper because he was playing well. And at that point, at that point, they led, and it was their first lead since week three against Georgia Tech. So at, <laughs> that, at that point, you're kind of smelling victory. You're not going to just completely waste it, no offense to my boy Markowitz, by benching the guy that's probably playing the best half of football at quarterback that Syracuse has seen all year. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's fair. And by the way, you make a really compelling case for, for Dylan Markwitz. I got to I gotta applaud you for by, that. By the way, he because, just fits uh, the offense better. He played this offense in high school. His, his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator in high school played with Sterling Gilbert in D2 college football. So they know each other, and that's how he ended up at Syracuse. But it's no coincidence that they play a very similar offense. Real quick before we hit this break, one question for you. Is it possible that Babers wanted to save Markowitz's tape? Yes. And he actually is higher on Markowitz than Morgan. Absolutely. Uh, Without looking at practice, there's no reason that Jacoby and Morgan should have started over Dylan Markowitz. Maybe he was a little bit more physically ready. It's very possible. Absolutely possible. I actually think that's what happened. All right. There you have it. Fizz feedback coming up on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. It's time for everyone's favorite segment here on Fizz Radio. You know what it's called. Fizz Feedback. Gil Gross, Brad Klein with you. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. I have not looked at the Fizz Feedback poll, so Brad, why don't you pull them up, introduce them, and I'll guess them. Well, first of all, during the game last night, we put out a poll to start Kadari Richmond or start to to start Joe Girard when Buddy Beheim comes back. Fizz Nation, you've been hurt. It's 72% in favor of the freshman. So that should be noted based on what we were talking about earlier. But going over to Joe Girard's side, through two games, Gil, he's shooting 5 for 25. And we mentioned before that he's kind of disappeared at times last season. But this is a little concerning when you have Kadari Richmond playing so well. So what's going wrong? What's going on with Joe Girard? The options, mental roadblock. The book is out on Girard. Chill, we're two games in, and other comment below. So, I mean, take a guess. What do you think Fizz Nation had? I think they're going to say chill, we're two games in. You know, it's. I think that's, of the options, that's probably the most fair one. Obviously, there's a combination of both. I don't think the book is out because the book would have been out last season. With that being said, mentally, I haven't liked his... Uh, I haven't really loved his body language, and not to say he's been prima donna-like. He's not like that at all. I just think he's looked pretty discouraged and deflated. Okay, so you got it. It's chill. We're two games in, but I will say that other comment below got a a little bit of love because I think the consensus is if you didn't vote for either of the three options, you're thinking, guy's out of shape, which I can't really speak to at this point. It makes a little sense for Joe Girard to be slightly out of shape because of the quarantine, because of the COVID-19 speed bumps that Syracuse has had. But I'll go with chill where two games in, too. It seems a little drastic to pull the plug on your starting point guard, who was really good last year, just two games in for a 2-0 team especially. All right, final Fizz feedback, Gil. Who stood out most in SU's 30-point win over Niagara? Quincy Garrier, Kadari Richmond, Alan Griffin, or other. It seems like a two-horse race. 
I would have I would have thought Woody. Now I know stat line wise that uh, that Alan Griffin you know had was decent at least not not percentage wise but overall no. he was decent. But I'll tell you what Woody uh, Woody Newton was really impressive to me in his limited minutes. I thought he earned more. So I just want to throw that out there before I get into the heart of this fizz feedback question. The two horse race. It's a two horse race for sure between uh, Gary and Richmond. Hmm. That's a tough one. I hope that the whole freshman bonanza intrigue, as much as I love it, as much as I love Kadari Richmond, I think Quincy Garrier is the rightful winner of this poll. And I hope that Fizz Nation went with him. I will uh, I will say that Garrier will win this. And let me guess the percentage. I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, it was pretty close. So I think 65% went with Garrier. Okay, so you're wrong. Uh, just like the football predictions, you're wrong. Okay, Kadari <laughs> Richmond, sixty nine percent to Gary A's twenty eight, and pretty much no crumbs That's left ridiculous. for the rest of the field. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. I I only agree with them slightly. I would say that I think it should be closer, but at the same time, Gary A is six foot seven. He plays a lot bigger, and at, a lot of his reel from last night's game, I feel like, comes with physicality and muscle. And, and that should not be a point against him, but when you go up against Niagara and you're just out, you're just bullying them inside, it's like, okay, good for you, I guess. Now, that I don't want to minimize his 23 points and 13 rebounds. By the way, career-high 23 points ties his career-high in rebounds, which he set against Bryant in the opener, <laughs> and he only had three double-doubles last year. He already has two this year, but... Kadari Richmond, to me, when you're a guard, you go 6-for-10 from the field. I understand the three-ball wasn't falling, but he was doing a little bit of everything, and we cannot ignore Richmond at the top of the zone looking like Michael Carter-Williams there. Three blocks, four mm. steals, and he really helped in Syracuse's trans- transition game, which looked really good. Yeah. Now, de- defensively, you can have a conversation but but Gary went nine for ten. I know that is so valuable to score twenty three points. He hit a yep. three. Yep. What a game by him. And also, I rebounding. He's so big on the glass, especially now that Sidibe is gone. Uh, he he was dominating the glass, setting the tone with that early on. All right, it's almost time to go, Brad. What's what's your viewing plan for today? Okay, you got two Syracuse games. What's your what's your viewing plan? All right, so first of all, you have to make sure that the tissues are nearby because the tears are going to come very quickly. Tears of joy, tears of embarrassment from Syracuse football, okay? Tears of joy because it's over. Finally, we can say it's over. Can't say light at the end of the tunnel because it's kind of hard to say light at the end of the tunnel when you lose by probably 40 points, but at the same time, it's over. Syracuse basketball, getting excited because there's a lot to like. Quincy Garrier goes for another double-double. That's my prediction. Mm, Notre Dame, Syracuse, football 230, Ryder at 7. Make sure you're looking at our coverage, orangefizz.net online, at orangefizz on Twitter. That'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. Gil Gross, Brad Klein saying so long. Enjoy the games today, everybody.